Entering the kingdom requires certain things. Absolutely repentance. Repent for the kingdom of God is near. But more than that, much, much more than that, entering the kingdom requires me to unlearn. Unlearn some things perhaps that I'm not even aware of my disposition or my beliefs. I need to unlearn some practices, some strongholds in my mind. I need to relearn biblical principles. And I believe, just in, we've been studying this the last few days, so many things have come to light in me, just about me. Things I had to change, thank God, and things I need to change. In order to believe, I need to get rid of my unbelief, right? I remember when I didn't believe. I was an unbeliever. And I had to get my unbelief out to get my belief in. Perhaps the way I could put this to you. What area are you struggling in? What area in your life you know you should be doing better? You know God's got better. But for some reason, I'm just not making it in this area. This area. What is that area? Could possibly be an area that you require unlearning. In order to receive a fresh perspective what area were you once successful in but now perhaps struggle that could very definitely be an area in which you need to unlearn previous practices beliefs perceptions in order to receive new ones and advance you know the, the Roman Empire was the most successful empire in history beyond any other empire by a million miles and one of the strategies they used when they took over a nation very humble when the romans took over a nation they did something that other empires didn't really do much they learned they would study the practices of the nation and thought well this practice is better than our practice these roads are better than our roads this plumbing system is better than our plumbing system. The Romans were always in a learning mode, a relearning mode. And they've gone down in history as the most powerful of empires. Good way to be, you know, the, the Greek word for repentance means metanoia. It means I, I, I've changed my mind, changed my mind. And that's an ongoing process. I believe you need to learn to unlearn. I believe there's things that you're holding on to that you need to let go of. I, I mean, stage one for me, and I've just been thinking about this this week. Stage one for me, I'm born, I'm a baby, and I come into the world, Stephen, Simran, I come into the world with certain attitudes, certain presumptions. It's four o'clock in the morning and I'm hungry. I'm, I, I won't wake my parents up. No, shush, I'll wait until nine o'clock. It doesn't happen. Wow! Right? Or when the child is, is three or four and the child wants something. I want that! You see the embarrass, embarrassed parents in Tesco's every day, right? Hey! Manipulation and control. Children are born with instincts and presumptions that are not good. It's all in nature. It's all in nature. And when people... That's when a child is born. Well, let me tell you something. When a child is born again... When we're born again, that child is unaware of its behavior, isn't it? 
needs to be made aware. And born-again Christians are often completely unaware of an instinctive reaction which is totally unacceptable and will keep you paralyzed in your walk with God. It's the same principle. So stage one, some blessed person has to teach me that this is wrong. If I get my way as a child by stamping my feet, I'm going to grow up into an adult who gets their way by stamping their feet. Do you know anybody like that? Eyes forward, thank you. There's plenty of people like that. They're still throwing temper tantrums when they're adults. No good. Parenting wasn't done properly. So the second stage, stage one, I'm born with these instincts. Stage two, someone has to parent me or disciple me in church terms. And stage three, I need to learn basically the ways of God, the ways of the church. So where are you stuck? What department, what area of your life? I, 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 I get in trouble for this temper. <laughs> I get in trouble on this next point, but I'm just going to say it anyway. I meet so many people. And do you know where I think they're stuck? Their job. Their career. I think they, I just feel it's wrong. I just get it constantly. I'm, li uh -huh. I'm listening to this. Uh -huh. I'm thinking, there's more to life than this. Ever think you might have taken a wrong turn there, buddy? Gah! But not willing to unlearn. Careers. I know a guy who was in the wrong career. His name was Peter. And he was in the fishing career. But something tells me Peter was dreaming of something better. I say that because he was so quick to leave it. So quick. He was waiting for the moment. That guy's fishing every day successful. But all the time looking over his shoulder. There's something for me. I believe that there's a God. I know I'll do my work. I know I'm good at it. But I believe in greater things. And in one day the voice came. And how quick he was to get unstuck from his career. Admirable. Great stuff. And I believe some of you, some of you around the world, don't get stuck in a career. Second way I need to unlearn, the Apostle Paul talks about this. Seems that Paul was maybe a little bit childish in some ways. When I was a child, I talked like a child, he said. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I unlearned all that stuff. I put that all behind me and look what came out. Look at the phenomenal life of the Apostle Paul. Or maybe you need to change from just being disorientated. And this, I would put this in the top five of counseling issues that pastors deal with. Do you know what, what people can't figure out for themselves? What to do? What to do? I don't know what city to live in. I don't know who to marry. I don't know what job to take. I don't know what ministry. They don't know what to do next. And it's traumatic for them. They can get stuck in that mode. Pastor, have you heard from God for me? It's sad. He's your God, isn't he? He's your God. No problem with prophecy, but I struggle with that kind of approach so often from people. You're disorientated. You're disorientated. You've lost your way somehow. And the Bible gives us a way out of that. 
Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed on learn. On learn and relearn. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's the next line? Then you will be able to know what the next step is. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. So in a nutshell, I believe, like Peter, I am willing to unlearn. Listen carefully. I am willing to unlearn when I can see there's something better. Peter saw Jesus, man. He saw Jesus. And the failure to see that stops us from running away from our boat, stepping out of the boat. And that invitation is there. I believe it. That invitation is there. We are willing to unlearn when we believe that there's something greater, something better ahead with Jesus Christ. And I want, I'm going to be quick this morning. I'm going to rapid fire 16 things. So you get in your head the principles of unlearning, relearning, and you take them home with you and put them into practice in whatever way they may need that in your life. The first thing you may need to unlearn. Viewing people as enemies. <laughs> viewing people as enemies. That's a really childish perspective, to be honest with you. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and rulers and powers in the heavenly places. Do you remember Elisha and the servant? When there was a physical army, a physical army facing the people of Israel, and that servant could only see flesh and blood. And Elijah feels sorry for him and says, Oh God, Lord, would you please open his eyes and let him see that our fight is not against... Let him see the spirit realm. Let him see where the true power is. Remember when they were arresting Jesus and going to crucify Jesus? And the apostles, Peter's drawn his sword. And, and, and all the tough guys are there, the 12 apostles, ready to stand by Jesus. And Jesus goes, Whoosh. and what does Jesus say? Don't you know that I could call Peter, James, John? No, no, no. What did Jesus say? Don't you know that I could call 10 legions of angels that would be here? And I see Elijah not seeing flesh and blood and winning the battle. I see Jesus not being tied up on this earthly level. How are you fighting your What do you perceive? What do you perceive? On what level are you perceiving? And I pray that God, like the servant with Elijah, I pray God give you spiritual eyes to see, the, to see where your real battle is so you don't waste your time on flesh and blood. The second big area for me that I need to unlearn is the things I have believed about myself. What have you believed about yourself from when you were a kid? School can be a cruel place. There's more than one education that takes place in school. It's not just geography, you know what I mean? There's some very cruel people in school saying very nasty things. Nasty things that when they get in your head sometimes, they can stay there. And they form your self-perception. I was a very nervous, very shy child. It's hard for you to believe that, isn't it? Incredibly shy. 
And that, that lasted until I was 26. I'd be even embarrassed to even talk about it. Absolutely because my belief, this was my identity. It's what I had been taught. It's what I had learned. And I had in some ways, in some ways I was happy, isolated. But what changed me was salvation, man alive. When salvation came in, it's just like God began to talk to me and it was better than who I was. It was better than what I was. So I immediately ran for that. I jumped out of that boat, man. This is better. This is far better. And he changed my mind about me. Hallelujah. I was so shy. This is the truth. They used to take up the offering in the Catholic Church, you see. I was so shy. I didn't even want to take up the offering. I would come in late and sit at the back and hide and leave before anybody could even talk to me to say good morning. Good morning. Strange, isn't it? And then God said, come here, Mike. You need to unlearn some things. You need to unlearn some self-perceptions you've got. To... What have you believed about yourself, huh? What have you believed about yourself? I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. And he's still making me. I ran a youth club for three years. They were some of the worst youth I've ever met in my life. They were wild. They were violent, crazy, and they were quite dangerous, to be honest with you. I remember having that youth in, 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 a, in a group one day. It was in Dublin. And saying to them, God's got a plan for you and everything else. But I'll never forget the leader of the gang. His name was Chris. I'll never forget the way he looked at the, the other youth. And he just looked at me and he said, you don't get it, do you? We're wasters. Hey, you know, Hello? We're wasters, don't you understand? And it just hit me, the power of his belief. He believed he was a waster. Everybody around him were wasters. His family were wasters. Don't you get it? I will always be a waster. I met that guy years later. He was just the same. Yeah, I didn't succeed. I didn't succeed. He was not willing to let go. Not willing to unlearn and receive an identity from Christ. You may have heard this saying, maybe not. Hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. Because they've learned that. It's easy for a person who's been hurt to hurt other people. It's easy for a person who's been abused to abuse other people. Psychologically, physically, sexually. That's a, just a statistical fact. Hurt people hurt people. Until someone in the chain says that's enough. Until someone in that family line says, thus far and no further, I will unlearn the practices in my family history or in my culture. And I will not hurt people. There's been a lot of unlearning in this church. Very, very good unlearning. LFC is a great church, but like every church, you get ideas in your mind. You know, someone leads the worship, it has to be Stephen or someone who's, you know, super gifted. Somebody preached, it has to be Tim or Michael or someone who's able, but never me. This is normal in churches. But I think in the last six months, there's been quite a bit of unlearning. Quite a bit of unlearning in this church. And suddenly people have said, oh, oh, I was wrong. I was actually wrong. 
This is a priesthood of all believers. That's what the church is. We are all called, all gifted, all anointed and all capable. Praise the Lord for that type of unlearning because it will bless you and bless the world. Another area that you may have, you may need to unlearn is your belief about other people. You may have wrong beliefs about people. Maybe somebody told you lies. You, you didn't meet someone. Maybe you've never met Tim. You don't know who Tim is. And you say you're going to meet Tim. Oh, Michael, let me tell you about Tim. Oh. And you listen to a load of lies. Now, you're not asking for it. But you meet people like that every day. And you've been fed a load of junk. And that can affect the way you perceive people. Correct? It can affect the way you perceive. If you ever walked into a situation where you're not welcome and you didn't do anything, <laughs> perhaps someone's been there before you. Hello. <laughs> the things you believe. Things husbands believe about their wives. Wives believe about their husband. Or parents believe about their children can be very wrong. I was in a marriage counseling session with this woman years and years and years ago. And I remember her she detested her husband and I will paraphrase her she said oh he he comes into church on Sunday and everybody loves him he's the life and soul of the party do you see how they all love him and he's cracking jokes and he's so happy and then we go in the car shuts the door and he's miserable and depressed they don't know the real guy if they knew him they wouldn't like him at all the real guy is miserable he's horrible so I remember saying to that woman, <coughs> excuse me, just one moment. The real guy would, would be the guy in church, actually. I'm a man, and I understand that. You're making a mistake. You, you, you've believed something that's wrong. The real guy is the church guy. That's probably the guy you married, am I right? The guy you married was the happy guy. But what's happening to you is within your marriage, the dynamics aren't working. And you need to relax a little bit, girl. <laughs> Chill. And you need to let that guy come home with you. Hello? Let him come home with you. In church, he's being him. He's being his real self, actually. And whatever is happening in your home, are you dominating? What are you doing? That's stifling him. Beliefs about others, very, very important. But others can so lie. Jesus said this, the, the parable of the weeds. The kingdom of God is like this. A farmer goes out and sows good seed. Good reputation for you. Good reputation for you, Michael, when you're going to a new job. But an enemy comes and sows weeds. Bad statements about you. Negative statements about you. This is just the way it is. And you've got to be very careful because people believe lies. I was on the front, the center pages of the newspaper in Ireland and people believed all that stuff that was two pages of complete lies you know and the person who wrote that would tell you that now but at the time everybody believed it everybody it was in the newspaper I read it in the newspaper right so be careful about beliefs of others and judging them on what you've heard and be prepared to enter a place and earn your standing rather than base it on what others have said Fourthly, beliefs that limit you. This was Gideon's problem. God had a great future for Gideon. You know, go in the strength I will give you and you will defeat 
the Midianites. But two times Gideon says, excuse, he says, pardon me. Pardon me, Lord, did you get the right guy? Not me. He comes back again. God says, no, you will go in my strength. Gideon denies it again. No, Lord, pardon me, you've got the wrong guy. His belief was so diminished of himself. But he changed that. And he led Israel for 40 years in victory. So believe the word of God to you. Amen? Amen. Believe God's word. Look at the change that took place within the Apostle Paul. Did the Apostle Paul do some unlearning? <laughs> Remember, where's Richard? He's in America, I think, actually. Richard's the most qualified person in this church, I think. So I asked... A few years ago, I asked Richard to put all his qualifications on a piece of paper. <laughs> and could you come down here, Richard, and rip it up in front of everyone? Thank you. Can you imagine how insulting that is? Imagine how insulted you might feel. Richard could say, do you know what my parents sacrificed for me to have those qualifications? Do you know the years of work I put in and you say, this is Paul. This is Paul when he meets Stephen. Stephen who tells him, now Paul, Paul was involved in murdering Stephen. Stephen who tells Paul, all your, all that you think is grand is trash in comparison to what's ahead. And the wonderful thing about Paul, he comes to the same conclusion. He says, I now count it all dung beneath my feet. Isn't that wonderful? You think you've got problems changing? I think this guy had a massive battle of change and unlearning. Pharisee of Pharisees. He had to let all that go. He didn't become overconfident in who he had become in the world. And by the way, let me say this. The very things that Paul used to applaud, he now despises. That's a change. The very things that I thought were great... I now consider dung. Wow. Now there's a change. And I, I want to say something from a pastoral perspective. Many of you opening cell groups. Let me tell you something about pastors <laughs> or leaders and disciples. Not all leaders want to set you free. Sorry. Forgive me. Leaders are weaknesses just like everybody else. Some people have a vested interest in you staying weak. Because if you get strong, they're not needed. They need you weak. Are you with me? Some people need you weak. Or they don't have a ministry. Because they're weak. And if they're victims, and you're a victim, and you start to break free from being a victim... They'll try to keep you in that place. No, no, no. You are a victim. Remember. Some people just, I'll, I'll read what I've said. Certain people depend on your weaknesses to highlight their strengths. They have no true interest in your development or in you changing your weaknesses for strength. They want you right where you are. Don't let those people dominate your life. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Amen. Be free. Be set free. I want to say something about beliefs in our hearts about our leaders my belief about Jeremy I, I worked with Rick for nearly 30 years Rick Seward and you couldn't do that without overcoming warfare Atanasio and Sarah's not with us this morning 
but about two years ago, Atanasio was at home. Listen to this, everybody, listen to this. This will set you free. Atanasio was at home, and he's just sitting at home. Do you know what he starts to think in his head? Pastor Mike hates me. <laughs> he hates me, this Pastor Mike guy, this Irish guy. <laughs> he wants to destroy me. No, he, he doesn't like me at all. And this thought's going round and round and round. And he feels anger and he feels hatred towards me building up inside him. He's not the first person who's come to me with this testimony. So he, he didn't know what to do with it. He didn't want it, but I can't get rid of it. I can't unlearn it. So he was a very wise man. He came to the church and he said, can I talk to you? I, I feel like I hate you. What's wrong with me? I feel like I hate you. It's overwhelming me. I said, Atanasio, what this means is that God has got a plan for you that's going to be coming through me. I'm going to be involved in your future. And that hatred, that's the devil. And he's trying, the devil hates me. And he's trying, that feeling you had, that's his feelings for me. So you need to plug into God and get that out of your system. Congratulations for coming. I think Atanasio is doing very well, don't you? <laughs> Thank you very much. The devil will try and turn you against your husband or your wife because they're involved in your deliverance. And he'll try and make you hate your pastor because they're involved in your deliverance. Hello. I'm not finished. Three months ago, four months ago, Atanasio was on his way to church. And in his head, he starts to say, I, that Tanaya, I hate Tanaya. And Tanaya hates me. He doesn't even know who she is. <laughs> he's heard her name. He's seen her in church. But they don't know each other well. But he's overwhelmed with these. Tanaya, Tanaya. Who does Tanaya think she is? <laughs> she hates me anyway. I know she does. And his mind starts getting. Here it goes again. It's a great testimony. On that day, Atanasio doesn't know what's happening on Sunday. He walks in. Guess who's preaching that day? <laughs> there you go. There you go. And, tonight, and let's welcome tonight. I thought, well, look at that. Look at that. And his testimony, I don't know those of you who have heard that on Wednesday. Atanasio sat there and thought, there he is again, the devil. And he said this. He paid full attention because now he knew there is a word from God here for me this morning. And God's trying to turn me against the very messenger that he is sending. Be very careful of those feelings that can overwhelm people. It's a sad thing, but some people take the bait and we lose them. They believe the lie. Sixthly, belief about possessions. One of the reasons I, I just fell in love with my wife here when I met her and I, I saw her online. And one of the things that really, really attracted me to her was she has no value on things things I don't value things now but I used to value things I had many things and then when I went to Colombia and the pastors we went to her house I mean talk about minimalism this is minimalism on steroids <laughs> this apartment um, you know you walk in an empty room um, and there's a table and she, I thought my oh my you need nothing you need nothing if I had this, I'd be happy. If I had this three-piece suite, or if I had this or that or that. 
And I was really, really pleased and impressed because I've had many things in my life and I lost everything. I learned this the hard way. But you got it just by instinct. By your family, it's the same. Same characteristics. I feel very sorry for people who think they need things. Things. Jesus, help us. Things. Are you real? Things. Really? No. Lot's wife couldn't even go into the kingdom because she had to go back and get her stuff. No, I don't want things. I'm rich already anyway, huh? Riches are in the kingdom. Seventhly, things I need to unlearn, that I love my family more than anybody, more than everything. Family come first in all things. Sounds good, doesn't it? But Jesus criticized this multiple times. He said, that's what the pagans do. They do exactly that. Don't you do as they do. Eighthly, I can do all things through Christ. Sounds right. It is right. But not all things. Not all things. We have a Bible here. We have a, a, a law book, a rule book. I'm just telling you the truth, folks. Sorry, this is the truth. I know Christians who think they can do anything. Anything. And I've challenged a few people. Say, can I just talk to you? This is wrong. And they challenge me. No, you're wrong. I can do anything I want. Anything I want. Well, actually, you can't. You need to obey this book, sir. Oh, yes, you do. I can do anything I want. No, you can't. That's an abuse of that scripture. Don't you agree? I can do anything God wants me to do. I can do anything that scripture says I can do. But don't get an attitude, which is very pervasive today, that I can do anything. Liberalism has taken over the world, liberal churches. And within that movement, there's this, I can sin, and it doesn't matter because God will forgive me. That's a very, it's called hypergrace. Very dangerous belief, but it's sweeping, globally sweeping the world. Unlearn that. If someone tries to put that in your head, unlearn it. Ten, I'm nearly finished. Ten, and this is a sensitive one. Wives need to submit to their husbands at all times. Now I need to duck. <laughs> Wives don't need to submit to their husbands at all times. Okay? They don't. All the women are smiling and all the men are sad. <laughs> no, you don't. That's not, that, that would be a complete abuse of scripture. I remember telling one woman to get out of her, get away from her husband, disobey him. I was, I was angry with her, to be honest. I was saying, get away from him. Get out of the house. Oh, but I'm a Christian and he's, he's calling me to come back. You're not going back home. Listen to me. Don't go home. Do you understand me? He had broken her arm. He broke her jaw. He broke her wrist. I was saying to her, the guy needs to be locked up. You understand me? This is extreme abuse. No, girl. What's got in your head? What's got in your head? A wife needs to obey her husband in everything except sin. In everything except sin. And that is a wicked, sinful situation. You should not put yourself or anybody else into that kind of abuse. Hello, can I hear an amen here? Amen. Don't, this is, this is an abuse of scripture. Scripture puts it two ways, both in Ephesians. Wives should submit to their husbands in all things famous scripture but it gets abused because we forget Ephesians 5 21 
submitting to one another, working it out together, in other words. So myself and my wife, we will sit down. I'm in charge of the house. There's no question with that. She must obey the rules. No question with that. But there will be areas where we, we submit and we, we, we discuss it. Okay? I'm just saying some husbands need to hear what I'm saying. And some wives need to hear what I'm saying so you don't get abused. Scripture doesn't put it as abuse. It puts it very balanced. Very nicely. Thank you. Number 11. If I speak in tongues, I must be spiritual. If I dance in the church, I must be spiritual. If I shout, that's why I never shout. If I shout, I must be spiritual. None of those external signs. Don't sit there as a new believer particularly and watch people dancing and thinking, oh, if only I was as spiritual as them. Uh -uh. No, sir. No external signs should make you judge yourself and certainly don't judge other people on that. Twelfth, rich people are blessed. Who says rich people are blessed? <laughs> Sometimes not having money is a blessing. Do you know what affects relationships? Money. Money affects relationships in a very big way. Too much money can definitely poison a relationship. And if you don't believe me, I think you could find millions of testimonies in this world. Money affects relationships. Sometimes a lack of it is actually a blessing. Because I don't know if you could cope with the weight of it. I don't know if your relationship could stand the weight of it. Proverbs. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Very wise. But keep me walking with you, dependent on you. You just be careful about what you ask for. And what you seek or desire with finances. Because you may pull fire into your lap that you can't control. 13. God is my personal genie. There's a certain group in the church that have that belief. You know, it's like rub the pot. God, go do, like go fetch God. Do whatever I say in Jesus' name. No, God's not here to do what you want. You're here to do what? That's right. 14, I'm almost done, but I want to give you a principle to take home. Principle number 14, your sin is worse than mine. In fact, everybody's sin is worse than mine. Self-righteousness, excuse me. Self-righteousness, having a self-righteous attitude in me, if, if I'm extremely self-righteous, it's almost like a filter comes over the way I see. Tim is a worse sinner than me. Michael is a worse sinner than me. Stephen is worse. My wife definitely worse. You can go around the room. I see everybody through the filter. That's, that's rotten. And it's a deception. Okay? You need to unlearn that filter. You need to remove that filter. Amen? In Jesus' name, Father, help us from seeing everyone else worse than us may we unlearn that in jesus name 15th my pain is greater than everybody else's i'm suffering more than everybody else not true i i had the this is a temptation you all know my history i've had extreme pain extreme suffering i would put it in my life at an extreme of a scale and I can remember, I was actually in Singapore, I can remember walking into the devil one day who came to offer me victim status, you know. Here you are, Michael. Take this. Your pain 
is worse than everybody else's, correct? I can remember just a little moment, just a little second sitting there. It's almost like a plate of food, you know. You eat that, you're going to be eating it every day for the rest of your life. Do you know what, Satan? Nah, take it away. My pain is not worse than everybody else. Hello. Amen. That will make you a victim. The most miserable people in the world are victims. Victim status, victim culture. Everything's against me. That's a horrible way to live. I would never marry a victim. Hello? Never. Because that's going to be coming your way in bucketfuls. So no, my, my, my pain is not worse than anybody else's. And lastly, I hope you're getting the point. There's things that I need to unlearn. There's things that I need to relearn from Christ about my identity and other people. Lastly, I want to unlearn negative triggers. What triggers you? What sets you off? What makes you mad in about 10 seconds, right? Or less? What triggers you? What makes you sad? Depressed. You can go from happy to sad in two seconds. What triggers you? During the time in Dublin when the press were after us and a couple of people had died in the church, it was an horrendous time for me as a pastor. I was suffering with anxiety at that time. It was awful. The whole country was talking about us and it was lies. And I, I got to the place in my house where even if the phone rang, bang, I could feel anxiety in my heart. And some of you are exactly like that. Anxiety in your heart, even when the phone rings or when this relative is coming to visit or when you find yourself in the... What triggers you? What triggers you? And I want you to unlearn the principles that brought you into that place. Unlearn. I'm not saying that the triggers are not going to come. They will come because that's life. But the difference is the next time they come... <laughs> I will not be responding in the same way. I'm not going to be subject to the anxieties of this life. What triggers you? Unlearn that behavior and receive from Christ. You know what the scripture says? We live in a very fearful world at the moment. Blessed are those who fear the Lord. They will never be shaken. They will have no fear of bad news. Oh no! They will have no fear of bad news. Anxiety will not overtake them. Their hearts will be steadfast. Their trust in the Lord will be secure. They will have no fear and they will see a good end. So I pray you unlearn the triggers of anxiety and receive the peace and protection of God. Stand with me this morning and ask the worship team to come back. I'm going to, I know that's a lot of points, but I want each of you to find your own issues for transformation the own points within your life your history that need changing and unlearning father would you give us the grace this morning to let go like paul did of the things this world treasure and to receive the things that god has for us i'm holy spirit